Welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today we're speaking to Jessica Pemberthy, MBA graduate from Oxford University's Said Business School, about transitioning into a career in consulting and then again into a role in industry. So my name is Jessica Pemberthy. I am originally South African and I lived in South Africa right after I moved to the UK for my MBA at University of Oxford in 2015. And now I'm a full-blown Londoner and not far from becoming a British citizen. I've been there for quite a while now. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Um, and we'll talk about um, your, your time at Oxford a little bit later on. Um, but to start off with, um, you started your career in banking and finance. Um, what was it that attracted you to this area? And can you briefly sort of talk us through the early days of your career? Yeah, um, sure. So I would say uh, more than just banking and finance, I've actually been mostly in the broader financial services industry. And I've had quite a few roles across the industry. Um so in South Africa, when you're in high school, if you do well in maths and science, you're quite pushed into the business and financial services areas. And um, I was particularly pushed to pursue actuarial science at university. And so I guess for those who don't know, it's a study of statistics and probability and insurance. Um, so it's a pretty challenging degree, though the skills are quite amazing, problem solving skills that you learn and they can be pl- applied like quite broadly across financial services. Um, so I knew I didn't want to work traditionally as an actuary, but I was pretty keen on the kinds of problems I'd be exposed to in the financial services sector in general. Um, and so my first job was at Merrill Lynch in 2010 on the trading floor. And I'd really wanted to be a trader, but unfortunately, I think I found after a couple of months, the job wasn't quite what I expected. And I I felt a bit like I was playing a video game all day and it wasn't really for me. So um, this was kind of my first big failure. I walked away, I think after about nine months to a year and then took some time off and really thought about what I wanted to do. Um, And then I moved into other areas in financial services. So I worked at Quant Analytics and then I went to a high net worth wealth and asset manager. And that's where I first became, got involved in strategy and operations, which I found to love. And after a couple of years there, I was then promoted to partner level. And it was from this role that I moved um, to the UK to get my MBA. Um, what was the, what did the process of like redefining what it was that you wanted to do really look like for you? So I think at the time, I just felt super unhappy um, in what I was doing. And, you know, maybe something everyone experiences in their first jobs is the kind of shock at becoming part of the workforce and the differences from university life and, and the pressures. But I was just really unhappy. It just really wasn't for me. And I I was really keen to use my skills properly. I wanted to, you know, feel fulfilled and that I was doing something I enjoyed every day and I couldn't bear the idea of not doing that. So for me, it just felt like I had no option but to take a step back and, and you know, take some time to actually think about what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, it was terrible at the time. You know, it was absolutely terrible at the time, but it was such a good decision because it actually gave me more maturity, I would say, uh, making that decision because I really had to sit and think about what I wanted and what I wanted my career to look like. 
Yeah, no, and I think it's it's interesting you say that at the time it was it was very difficult because I think there's a tendency, particularly earlier in your career, to interpret these like failures for for lack of a better word, or um or perhaps like changes, unexpected changes in course as, as a catastrophe. And then of course, you know, a few years later you're looking back and and thinking, oh, you know, actually that was the best thing that ever happened or, or what was what was I so worried about? Yeah. Absolutely. I think I mean this is it's something that becomes easier as you get older because of course, you know, there've been other failures through my career. And when you're in them they feel so terrible. But after enough happen or enough bad things happen, you kind of get to that point of knowing at some point you will be able to look back and find some sort of reason for the thing that happened to you because at some point something good is going to happen to you so you'll be able to make a narrative that that the bad thing that happened in the past led you to this you know so I think it's kind of trying to remember in those moments that at some point it will be better and you will see the reason for it and yes you should feel the emotion and go through the struggle but it's not the end of the world. Um, so how did you reach the decision to um, to do an MBA? So one of the key driving factors for me was to move countries. I was really keen to live in London and it's pretty hard to do that all the way from South Africa. So I was keen to kind of take my career to the next level and was pretty focused on consulting. And um, I, I thought I'd be really suitable to consulting and was pretty excited by it as a career path, but I only wanted to do it in London. And yeah, I guess what kind of really drove me there in the end was advice I got from a cousin of mine in Australia um, who had worked at Bain. And he said, look, an MBA is the best route for you to move abroad and get into consulting. And an MBA had always been at the back of my mind. And then his energy and certainty kind of spilled right over into me. And yeah, I mean, this call was in the middle of the workday. And I landed up choosing my program that very day within a couple of hours, not very rigorously, um, but really followed my intuition there. And um, yeah, I, Oxford had always been a dream of mine. And I'd recently visited a friend there. And when her and I were younger, I think we we're about 15 in high school, we declared to a teacher that we would go to Oxford. And we both did in the end, which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, Oxford seemed like a really good fit when I looked at it uh, compared to other universities as well or other schools. I think it's got a great level of diversity. It's really integrated into the university, um, very entrepreneurial focused. And I quite like that they didn't just want to churn out more management consultants and bankers. Um, you know, it was really about learning how to solve global problems. And uh, yeah, so kind of deciding to do an MBA for me is synonymous with choosing where I went to do the MBA because the decision all happened within like two hours and um, there were only a couple of days left until final applications closed when I decided I wanted to go to Oxford. So I had to do the whole thing in a weekend and I only did the GMAT after being invited for an interview and I didn't even bother applying to other schools. So it just felt right to go there and an MBA felt right at that time. So tell us about um, how your experience was then with, with the programme. So I've loved every moment of it. Oxford was just absolutely amazing. Um, it was super dynamic and interesting. And I think something I didn't really anticipate was how much fun it would be. 
And now I look back, I think, in my opinion, if you aren't having a lot of fun during your MBA, you maybe are doing something wrong because no one ever really sees your marks in the end. And as long as you, you know, learn your curriculum and engage, all your time or a lot of your time should be focused on building connections and making memories and finding a job, of course, as well. Um, so for me, a big high was just the, the connections that I built with people from all over the world made so many friends and that can be really hard when you're older as well and you find really like-minded people which is special and yeah being in Oxford was just kind of spectacular and it's hard to describe some of the experiences we had there it was really really magical and even when I look back on it now it feels a bit like a dream. What were some of the like the hardest parts or the biggest challenges of the program for you? So I think Oxford is a one-year program or and um, that's quite short for an MBA course. So everything was very intense and quite squeezed in. But I still think that the benefits to a short course outweigh the costs overall. Um, and I also think I was, as a low, I, feel, I was feeling pretty insecure throughout the course because you're surrounded by so many amazing people. And that was great, but really challenging because I think I constantly felt as though I was behind everyone else's achievements and capabilities, especially being all the way from South Africa. I felt like I didn't know how the world works. And I think, you know, I did, and I know other people who did, um, get into the habit of comparing oneself to an amalgamation of everyone around you. So you start thinking, why haven't I started my own business and sat on the board of a charity and, and done a TED talk and wrote for the first team and worked for the UN and et cetera, et cetera. So that's pretty draining. But in the end, I think I learned it's obviously better to focus your energy on what you want to do rather than what you haven't yet done compared to everyone else. Yeah, it's so do I think it's like the price you pay, isn't it, for being getting to be surrounded by those amazing people for a year. It's so easy to start like questioning yourself and your achievements and, and what you've done. But I guess it is like even though it's impossible to imagine this when I think about some of my classmates, it seems like it is kind of the same for everyone. Absolutely agree. And I think it's also, you know, the age that we tend to do an MBA. It's kind of late 20s you know yourself but not as well as you might later in your life so you know people are naturally a bit insecure and people are going through big changes so you do feel a bit unsettled and and yeah I think that's the thing I learned since the MBAs everyone's kind of in the same boat and so it's amazing as you get older to kind of step away from thinking like that and constantly comparing yourself to other people um, but you mentioned coming into the MBA, um, knowing that consulting was was kind of your your goal. What was it that attracted you to consulting in particular? So I I'm just a problem solver. That's just the way my mind works. It's it's what I've loved to do ever since I was a little kid. I wanted to do treasure hunts all the time, and just solve problems and get excited from finding solutions. So you know, that was a big reason that I wanted to get into consulting and studying actuarial science for my undergraduate gave me a really great, rigorous first principles problem solving approach. And I felt that the skills that I built up could be applied really successfully in a consulting environment. I also am a person who just loads routine and repetition. So I love things to be dynamic and fast paced and changing all the time. And so, you know, a lot of what consulting could offer really excited me. 
you obviously the consulting application processes is kind of like notoriously competitive um how did you um how did you manage that and how did you find the application process so like everyone else i found it super hard and i think i was very unprepared compared to other people um perhaps you know who we had who were in countries or were surrounded by people who were more used to this kind of thing so i hadn't ever done a case study or case interview or anything like that um, until I went to Oxford and case interviews made me super nervous and I, I think it was also very like domain dependent you know I could solve a problem casually talking to a friend very easily but then put me in, you know into a case interview situation and I really would freak out a bit um, and I think in the end you know I only practiced about 10 whole cases um, before I was interviewed by Monitor Deloitte and Oliver Wyman. And I rather spent my time practicing problem solving and structuring. So rather than going through full cases and becoming a bit freaked out by it, I kind of took a step back and practiced, you know, structuring in my everyday life. And that really helped. Uh, it was a different approach, but it really worked for me. Um, and in terms of, you know, the kind of fit interviews, I think those I found a bit easier because I was pretty good at having a strong narrative, um, a really strong messaging and strong story that I was trying to sell through the interviews. And especially when you have multiple interviews with multiple people at the consulting firms, I was really consistent with my messaging and kind of was selling a, a specific person, you know, me, but, a, but someone that they could see who I was, you know, a very clear messaging. And I think that really helps as well. Did you also have to seek um, sponsorship as part of your application process? And how did you find that affected things? Yes, I had to get sponsorship. So most of my class would have had to be sponsored at the time under the visa rules. And so many people in my class wanted to stay in the UK, but weren't able to because sponsorship was very difficult back then. So... I mean, I was in the position that I had to get a job in the year, you know, at some point during the year, and I had to be sponsored as well. Obviously, because I was targeting consulting, it makes things quite a bit easier because most of the consulting firms just automatically sponsor. It's, you know, it's hardly even a question. Um, at the same time, not all of the consulting firms are that keen to hire foreigners, you know, so for them, why would I sponsor a, a foreigner, somebody who has experience abroad over somebody who I could hire here who's a citizen? And it's it's just very easy. So it's definitely, definitely an obstacle. Um, and, you know, it really stopped a lot of people that I knew from staying. But I think I, you know, obviously, besides targeting consulting, I was, you know, really... I thought really hard about where I could add value and was really specific about where I applied to within consulting um, and, and focused my attention on that. And obviously doing that helped me get a job, but also the sponsorship that I would need. So it, it kind of went hand in hand. Yeah, I think that approach of, as you say, thinking about where you can add value really does make sense in a situation where you're not at a disadvantage, but where you have like um, an additional obstacle to, to navigate, as you said, um, yeah. like the sponsorship process isn't easy. Yes, definitely. And and that's how I mean, that's really how I landed up in that role um, as a consultant. I you know had this actuarial science background and there was a role for an insurance focused um, experienced hire. So I really targeted that, even though I hadn't worked in insurance, uh, studying actuarial science 
meant that I you know, understood a lot about the industry and I had a lot of value to add. And it's quite a specialized role. So they were struggling to find people within the UK who could do it. So I think there was a lot of luck involved as well, but I did put in quite a bit of effort to really find that niche. Tell us a bit about your experiences with consulting. Um, how did you, was the role everywhere accepted and, and how, how was your time in the industry? So in general, I think consulting is a great job. I really enjoyed it while I was there. I think, you know, most things I'd imagined about it were true in reality. Most of the positive things is very fun and interesting. And you're surrounded by capable people. It's energizing. There are new problems to solve every day. You're constantly learning. All of that is amazing. Um, but then, you know, some of the more negative things about consulting weren't as clear to me before I started. And, um, you know, some parts of it, such as you don't really get to see the impact of what you do. You know, you kind of walk away from a project after it's done and then hope the client implements it. Um, and the really, really crazy and intense lifestyle that it brings those were really downsides for me. So um, my health and the lifestyle that I wanted were the driving factors for me leaving consulting in the end because it was a downside for me. And um, I think after a couple of years in the industry, the, it was just too much for me. And I found out I had a genetic illness. And so my priorities had to change. It came to the point where I wouldn't be able to com continue at the pace that you need to be in all the time as a consultant. So I took some time off and focused on my health and then made the decision that I needed to move on from consulting. So while I loved it and there are amazing things about it as a job, I think um, eventually the, like many people, the cons kind of came, you know, overtook. So you're now in strategy and operations at Mambu. Um, just tell us a bit about how you secured that role and, and what it is that you're doing. So... My role is a very varied role at Mumbu. It's strategy and operations is quite broad, but again, it's a lot of problem solving. So it's a bit of internal consulting, I would say, and I'm focused um, on partnerships and advisory. Internal focused and our team works externally with partners and as and in, in advisory capacity. So I'm kind of in the middle and the best of both worlds. Uh, I came across the job quite randomly, actually. Um, I'd looked around at a few options and I wasn't really quite sure what I wanted to do and I wasn't really sure what was fitting. And I, I spoke to a couple of venture capital firms and got quite advanced in interviews there, but just it wasn't feeling quite right for me. And um, I'd spent time, you know, doing, you know, rewriting my CV and writing cover letters and sending that on to, you know, all the companies and interviewing and all of that. And the one job that I really didn't put in much effort at all was for Mumbu. I just sent off my, my CV because I was I thought, you know, I'm not going to work in tech. Tech's never really interested me. So I just sent off my CV and um, no cover letter, even though they asked for it. And then I think I was phoned that day and I was interviewed the next day and headed off very well with, the, with my now boss, Ben. And um, I was the first person he interviewed. And yeah, I, I think... I spoke to another person on the Monday and was given an offer within about a week. So it was completely unexpected. I just connected really well with Ben. He told me about what we were going to be doing and I got it. I understood what he wanted and it was just a perfect fit. 
Absolutely. And it's interesting to hear about the job search process as well, because I think for a lot of people outside of consulting, um, myself included sometimes, you kind of have this perception that anyone who works in consulting is kind of like inundated with like job offers from clients and everyone kind of goes off to take like an in-house role from like a project that they've worked on. And then actually you learn, I think a lot of people think that kind of during their MBAs um, and maybe afterwards, and then you learn that actually it's, it's, that's not always how it is. And it's not always quite that straightforward. Yeah, I think, you know, as an ex-consultant when I especially when I was working in consulting I was inundated with uh, people reaching out to me on LinkedIn headhunters that happened so often and um, but a lot of the roles weren't quite what I was looking for so you might be inundated with you know opportunities but it's about finding that right fit and that's just as hard and what I've learned in the last few years you know since the MBA is it doesn't become easier to find a job you know, the older you get and the more experience you have, it actually becomes more difficult because you're, you're narrowing what, you, what you're going to be able to do in the future because you're becoming more experienced and more senior and more specialized. Even if you stay quite broad, you know, it, it does become the, the job search process takes longer and is more intense and there's a lot more to think about and to, to decide on. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a really important point, actually, and that, that completely makes sense. And so tell us about like what the transition to the tech world has been like. It's obviously, it's a really popular area for a lot of MBAs at the moment. Um, and what would your advice be to those who are, who are looking into it? So I think the transition has actually been super easy coming from consulting. I think the thing that consulting teaches you is you can approach any problem it doesn't matter how much you know about it. You will be able to approach a problem and find a solution as long as you you know, structure it properly and bring in the right people. And it, it gives you a lot of confidence to look at a problem and just figure out something, you know, to look at it with confidence and be able to talk about that problem or to talk about the specialized area. And so I think consulting prepares you extremely well for tech because you know, it's a very ambiguous environment. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, it's a bit chaotic. Stuff is moving so rapidly. There's a huge, you know, com- combination of different people from different backgrounds. I, I sometimes feel like we're, you know, we're building the plane as we're flying it, but it's so much fun. And and I think it's a great middle ground between traditional industry and consulting because it gives some of the best elements of consulting. But we have much more flexibility and so much more freedom in the way we do things and the lifestyles that we have. So, you know, it's it's a wonderful area to be in. I'm really happy that I moved into it. And it's so important to stay relevant as well. I think, you know, being in being in tech is is really a good place to be. So I would highly recommend it to any MBA who's considering it. Um, and what advice would I give people? looking into tech i think i'll try stick to a couple because i could talk for for hours on this but you know if you're thinking about tech firstly be super creative super creative and flexible with the target roles that you're looking at so startups and scale ups and you know larger tech companies don't always know what they're looking for and they can't always find what they want so, you know, look at the job description with a really critical eye and figure out if you have any adjacent skills or experience that could be molded to this role, even if you don't have the exact background. And similarly, don't dismiss tech roles just because you don't have the technical expertise. 
you know, as you can hear, I haven't mentioned anything about tech expertise in my background, and I have so much to learn on the product side, but it doesn't mean that I can't do a great job. And following on from that, I suppose my second piece of advice would be to build a compelling narrative. And this is broader than tech. We spoke about it earlier, but, you know, applying to a job, it's like building a case, you know, and for something. You need to give a strong argument why it should be you and why you'll be perfect for them. And that's really important in tech where, you know, the jobs might not be as straightforward and the companies don't always know what they're looking for. So, you know, treat your CV as evidence, your cover letters, your argument and your interviews like your day in court. And you need this memorable narrative and you need to pitch it up the right way and stand out from everyone else. I think that the last thing I thought about, again, it's it's more general than just looking at tech, but I think it's really key to getting hired into tech is to just be a good person. So don't forget to develop yourself as much as you want to develop your career because, you know, have energy and kindness and passion and honesty. And because in the end, a big part of a decision to hire you is a cultural fit. You know, a lot of these tech companies and scale-ups and, and startups are quite small or the, or the teams are small, the organizations are small. So you want people to want to work with you. And you really want to make sure that you shine in the interview and bring yourself across and build the connections with the people that are interviewing you and, you know, make them excited about having you as part of the team. That's all for today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And you can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, or you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Until next time, bye! Bye! Bye!